Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Jehocraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you. Another Wednesday evening, reflecting into the life and thought of one Pope Francis. As we do here from one week to the next, we engage where Pope Francis is in the news and then take up uh, the things that he is talking about uh, in joy of the gospel. So we uh, slowly and surely are working our way through the joy of the gospel. That is his exhortation, his written document on the church's mission to evangelize. And as I do from one week to the next, I have Bob Cross joining me. Bob, it is great to have you with me another week. Always good to be here, Joe. Thanks. So, Bob, this past week, you know, where has Pope Francis been in the news? He has had several homilies where he's made a point to talk about uh, the role of the family in the world. And what was his message to the family uh, this past week? Well, he had some strong things to say, as he typically does. And it continues to amaze me of the way in which the drive-by media selectively reports uh, what he is saying and at the same time omits what he um, is also saying (laughs) because his words are strong. His words are are very strong. I mean, this past week in in a homily at a daily mass to a gathering of families, he says, uh, avoid the culture of comfort. We live in a culture that says it is better not to have children. It is better. You can go explore the world. You can go on holiday. You can have a villa in the countryside. You can be carefree. It might just be, as he says, more comfortable to have a dog, two cats. And and all that love that you have that is supposed to go to children, you give to two cats and a dog. That's our current Holy Father. I mean, wow. It is better not to have children. This is what he is telling us, the culture is telling us, and... Bob, he's right. I mean, go back to that uh, Time magazine cover just, what, uh, 10 months ago, maybe? You know, the, the child-free life with, with a husband and a wife laying, you know, lazily on the beach. <laughs> and what was the subheading? When having it all means having no children at all. You know, what is being communicated on that cover? Well, the very thing that Pope Francis is talking about. He's tapped into the popular culture of the West, and for that matter, of the East. You know, I mean, that this is a global problem. That is, this idea of having no children is a better life. He, he's critical of this. There was the reported number that came out a few years ago, Bob, that in the city of San Francisco, there are more people who own pets and I, I even think it was specific to dogs, than actually had children. It goes directly to what he said in reference to the pets. And of course, he had an admonition. You know, he had a challenge for us. Uh, he says, quite simply, 
Christ came to establish the church that we might see the deeper meaning of what married life is all about, a faithful and fruitful love that is to pour itself out for one another. And so he, he really challenged all those couples there to embrace uh, the call to have children. They said the practice of rejecting fertility by choice for the sake of comfort is something that, quote unquote, Jesus does not like. I mean, imagine if that was a headline on CNN, Pope Francis, <laughs> Jesus does not like when you choose against life. This is what he just said, but you won't see that. The Pope warned in the end, such marriages come to old age and solitude with the bitterness of loneliness. He concluded it's not fruitful because it does not do what Jesus does with his church. He makes his church fruitful. You know, I love that. He says, Jesus does not like it. He speaks from this companionship that he has with Jesus, Bob. Jesus does not like when you cut short this creative power that God has given you in married love. So stop it. He went on to talk about this reality. Of course he would talk about this. And this reality of valuing a child by their economic cost. He says, yeah, certainly you need to think about how you're going to provide for that child. But if a child is reduced to how much he costs, then we have lost our sense of Christianity. Strong words. Essentially, he says, our culture is losing a basic understanding of the purpose of marriage to bring new life into the world. It's interesting when, you know, this, this Pope, um, and we're going to talk about some of that tonight as we get into you know, the paragraphs, is very, very caught up in today's society and culture. And, you know, especially the consumerism, uh, the mm. individualistic way that we go about our lives, and the materialism that is so prevalent and actually glorified as it relates to pop culture in, in relationship to media or um, um, entertainment. And he's very, very concerned about how that's not only prevalent in our society and in, in our country, in the West, but I mean, he's, he's speaking to an Italian audience. I think he was talking about, he even referenced the, the population growth, you know, mm -hmm. uh, being mm -hmm. in the negative numbers, yeah. you know, in, in certain places around the world, especially in the West. And so he's very concerned about everyone, of course, and the entire planet, but the church itself, and especially in countries where um, that notion or that focus on individualistic ways of living your life are being, you know, are being kind of bombarded with these messages that come from this culture of materialism and consumerism. So it's, it's, uh, it's frightening. You think about it, I, I had a couple that, it was a typical yuppie, yuppie couple, they used to tell me all the time, we didn't want to have children because we don't have time for them. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, this couple, they had no spirituality, no faith in their lives, and now, many years later, they're a very, very bitter, as yeah. Pope Francis says it, and very, very lonely couple. <clears throat> and, and make no mistake about it, Bob, when he's talking about the bitterness of loneliness, this comes out of his own pastoral care. He knows what this looks like 40 years uh, from now. When, he, when, when Time Magazine says, when having it all is having no children, 
he knows what that looks like 40 years from now. We pick up Time Magazine and we see this young couple enjoying themselves on the beach, you know, lazily just kind of hanging out on the beach. And we say, wow, I want that, but I can't have that because I'm tied down by this commitment and that commitment because I have two kids, three kids, four kids, five kids. Ooh, dare I say six kids. You know, wow, what are we thinking as a culture to have six kids, right? Well, being one of 11, I'll tell you, you know, Bob, growing up, I did not have a lot of things. In fact, I had very little. And growing up was hard. I'm not going to pretend to say that it it was not. And certainly, my parents had to make a lot of sacrifices. But you want to know what? Tell you this. I would not replace any one of my relationships with any of my siblings for a vacation, for a special trip to an amusement park, for a trip to the beach. Yeah, it's, it's a different way of thinking, but the reality is I'm a better person because I grew up in a large family. Now, am I telling all parents out there, young parents to have 11 kids? I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we need to be more open to life and to think about the importance of, of just not what Pope Francis is saying here, but as you speak to it, uh, Bob, yeah, why are we not having more children is it because we're too caught up in, the, in this materialistic consumerism that comes out of me, myself, and I? We have to start reorienting the way we are thinking about this if we're, only, if we're ever going to really restore culture. You know, I love the line from Benedict XVI when he says, yeah, the problem right now in Christianity is... We're not giving birth to more Christians. You know, that's a line that might come from Pope Francis, right? But this is Benedict XVI, and he made it clear, without, without children, there is no future. Um, so, yeah, it's time to start looking at this differently. And, and Pope Francis highlighted Christ and the church because what he wants us to see is that, yet yeah, the church is the bride of Christ. Just as Eve came from the side of Adam, so does the church come from the side of Christ and the blood and water. Blood and water, of course, representing baptism in the Eucharist. Paul makes this clear. St. Paul makes this clear. The body of Christ is our Lord's bride, and he gave his very flesh for his bride. He gave his very life for his bride. And Bob, as husbands, that's what we need to do in every way, shape, or form, and that is his message for us. And amen to that. I mean, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It means sacrifice. I, I don't like that phrase, well, I'm not going to get my life back if I have more children. That's the whole point. <laughs> you know, that's the whole point. <laughs> your life was never yours to be had, but ultimately to give away. And that's the essence of what Pope Francis is after, Bob. So, With that, we have this document that you've touched upon, and one of the things that he takes up here is religious freedom, and and certainly this whole idea of freedom is what we've been talking about in these opening minutes, because if we want to authentically be free, what we have to understand is that it passes through death. And so for us as Christians and as Catholics, we need to embrace this call. So why don't you go ahead and... This is um, paragraph 61. Uh, We also evangelize when we attempt to confront the various challenges which can arise. On occasion, these may take the form of veritable attacks on religious freedom 
or new persecutions directed against Christians. In some countries, these have reached alarming levels of hatred and violence. In many places, the problem is more that of widespread indifference and relativism linked to disillusionment and the crisis of ideologies which has come about as a reaction to anything which might appear totalitarian. This not only harms the church, but the fabric of society as a whole. We should recognize how in a culture where each person wants to be the bearer of his or her own subjective truth, it becomes difficult for citizens to devise a common plan which transcends individual gain and personal ambitions. Amen. You know, Bob, I'm looking down on my notes, and I don't necessarily have this in my notes, but I was, I'm really struck this time hearing it by that opening line. We also evangelize when we attempt to confront the various challenges which can arise. And my reflection is one that points to how we think about evangelization. We think about evangelization in a certain context. We, we might box in how we think about evangelization in a more general sense of maybe going door to door or maybe um, how we go out and, and teach. But what he's saying here is everywhere we go, everywhere we turn, there's going to be an opportunity to, to evangelize because the challenges that are put before us culturally each and every day, each and every moment, each and every encounter is an opportunity in of itself to evangelize. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. that's really uh, at the heart of this. It's, it's funny as you were reading that, how that just really hit me. And I, I can't help but go to this phrase, subjective truth. Yeah. You know, what is he saying there? We should recognize how in a culture where each person wants to be bare of his, his or her own subjective truth. Well, let us first take a step back so as to understand what he means by saying subjective truth. When we talk about subjective truth and objective truth, maybe we can put it this way. Subjective truth is what is hidden, un unseen, unknown. Objective truth is what is revealed, known, seen. So subjective truth then is placed upon what we cannot see, and objective truth is placed upon what we can see. Now in this case, he's talking about uh, the person. We talk about subjective, then we're talking about the subject, and so we're talking about the person. When he talks about one's own subjective truth, he's separating it from the person looking at something objectively. There's an emphasis on what he thinks. And so it then becomes, subjective truth then becomes, for Pope Francis, uh, an arbitrary opinion based upon what we think versus an objective truth, which is what we discover based upon what we can know, right? And that's a real important point, um, because ultimately there the distinction, Bob, is what we think we know versus what we can discover based upon what is objectively seen. I mean, Christ came to establish an objective moral standard. This is right, this is wrong. Do this, don't do that. All you have to do is go to the gospel, go to St. Paul. It's, it's everywhere, really, when you really start to go through it. So what he's saying then is, in the moral life, we need to espouse towards what we can make out as objective. And we can never reduce all of Christianity to just what we think. This is why he uses the word relativism, a favorite word of uh, Benedict XVI in his opening homily. He talked about 
this, this battle being waged in Christianity versus this dictatorship of relativism. Christianity says, this is truth, and relativism says, well, truth is going to be whatever I make it out to be. And this is where we get the verbiage of cafeteria Christian or cafeteria Catholic. You just kind of pick and select what you want to according to what you think you know. And what's so important about this, Bob, is we have 2,000 years of a Christian teaching program. Christ taught. And what did we just hear from this weekend's past gospel? What did he just say to his disciples? I give you the power of the Holy Spirit, make disciples of all nations, and teach all the nations what I have commanded you, what you have seen. Teach all of them. And through all of the 2,000 years of church history, what you see is the apostles and their successors following that command. And so he came to establish a teaching program that was ordered to Christ, who's the incarnation of truth. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I, I kind of noted those two things that you pointed out as well uh, when I was reading through the document tonight. And that was, you know, that, that whole thing about objective and subjective truth. And isn't it true that um, subjective truth leads us to, you know, one of the most prevalent things that we see going on today, and that's justification. for just mm-hmm. about everything and anything that we can subjectively make to be true. Yep. And it's, it's so apparent, and, and it's, it's uh, around us every day, and every one of us are guilty of it in some form yep. or another. Yep. And, you know, as, you, as we talk about evangelization, you know, our evangelization isn't just, it is preaching, of course, uh, the good news of the gospel, like what this document is all about, this exhortation, but it's also living, it's the living truth. It's the way that we live, the way that we approach things. It's, a, it's, a, it's an attitude. It's a way of life. And that's, uh, I think, what this exhortation is really, it's the really heart of. Yeah, and his point, too, the disillusionment and the crisis of, of ideologies. The problem, Bob, of the totalitarian way, that the way of the dictator, you must behave this way, you must do this, you must do that, is that there's a removal of the dialogue. There's a removal of a more authentic discussion that opens us up towards truth. What is the tragedy he wishes to hit upon here is the absence of God. The absence of God. If, if we have no formation in God, then <laughs> what are we going to be left with? If we have no deeper sense of what life is all about, then you know, w- what are we going to be left with? If all we're left with is what we think we know, then yeah. Anything that we try to devise or anything that we try to plan as he talks about it is never going to get beyond that self-absorption that he has already talked about in this document so much. So we have to be able to start opening up that discussion, having that dialogue with those people, Bob, who were at the heart of this cultural infrastructure that is collapsing. You know, the the, the journalists, the, the, the media, all of those who would fit into that work, which really lies at the, all of the threshold points where news is being handed on. You know, we need to be able to engage those people to be able to have that conversation so as to begin to advance uh, what this is all about. I talk about this now, Bob, because we think a certain way 
because of the newspapers we read or the television programs that we watch or the news that we turn on. And all of those outlets together are part of this cultural collapse. And if we can evangelize and effect change in those areas, as St. John Paul II liked to say, and he made a note of it uh, in his last document on rapid development, there is where the new evangelization must live. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because I was, was meaning to ask about, you know, your take on the crisis of ideologies and the reaction to anything that might appear totalitarian. And, you know, that's, that's so, um, it's so poignant, you know, in, in terms of, again, the relationship of the message of this entire exhortation and what those things actually mean. Yeah, I'm, when you start talking about totalitarianism, of which, by the way, <laughs> Pope Francis comes from a totalitarian nation, right, in, right. in, in Argentina. I mean, it, it, it was well documented. People don't want to talk about it right now, but uh, he would often go toe-to-toe with the totalitarian president in Argentina. And what often was the discussion, the fact that in every policy, in, in every law that was institutionalized, was another step closer to the adversary, was another step closer towards more evil in the world. I mean, evil was being institutionalized, and he saw this, and he was incredibly outspoken about this. And so this is very much on his radar screen, Bob. Now, what's important in all of this is that he sees this in relationship to the individual person. He says, when we get so caught up in this ideology that says, whatever I say is whatever goes, we lose touch with reality. We haven't talked about it yet. We haven't gotten there yet in this document, but he has a fascinating reflection on reality. And for him, reality is the fact that the greater whole of the international arena is living in dire straits, dire poverty. The numbers are striking. And he's saying we need to wake up if you're a president, if you're, if you're a, a, a senator, if you're a mayor, on whatever level you stand as a politician, you need to be aware that those on the margins are not even being touched. And this is why he talks about what he's talking about here. You know, he uses the word indifference. Now, why would he say that you know, the problem is more that of widespread indifference and relativism? He's making the link there, Bob. Right. He's saying when, right. when you relativize faith, when you relativize truth, when you relativize law, when you make it whatever you think you can make it, all you are showing me and the whole world is that you are indifferent to those who are in need. You are indifferent to truth itself. And that is grave matter for him. And it ought to be for us. And it was for Jesus. It was for our Lord. He is vicarious Christi. He is the vicar of Christ. He is echoing the gospel here. If you put this discussion in the context of faith and politics, and so many people don't want to do this, so many people shy away from it, so many people don't want to talk about it. But our Lord Bob was crucified. He was crucified because of the ideology. He was crucified because of the things that he's talking about here. So before we separate faith from from politics, be mindful, be mindful that he was crucified because of the political structure that was in place. 
all of the church fathers. They went to their grave because they were not willing to burn incense to the emperor. They went to their grave because they stood up against the ideology of the time, the totalitarian regime at the time. To, su to suggest on any level that you were to separate faith and politics is utterly ridiculous. It would be enough to say that Pope Francis has some strong words in this uh, paragraph 61, as he does, Bob, in paragraph 62. Uh, because as we talk about all of this, Bob, he talks about the dangers of globalization within the context of what? Indifference. What does he say? Globalization can easily translate as a hastened deterioration of one's cultural roots. We get so busy thinking about how to advance, we forget about who we are and where we come from. You know, the beauty of what makes us Americans, Spaniards, French, Japanese, and so on, Bob, is the beauty within the larger body of Christ. We need to realize that Pope Francis wants us to see that we need to get back to our roots, we need to get back to the family as the Celta society, and re-engage what it means to be a resident of Chico, a resident of the state of California, a resident of the United States of America, in light of the gift of freedom, in light of who God calls us to be, in light of our cultural roots, so that we might communicate a much deeper, a much richer and vibrant uh, Christianity. No, it's it's really really apparent, and in in this particular you know paragraph, it's sixty two of the document. Yeah, really gets into what I referenced earlier in the program, and that is, <clears throat> you know, the media and the way the world is rapidly shrinking in terms of communication and technology, is it's polluting some of these cultural roots that are around the world that aren't quite ready for some of what you know, media, social media entertainment has to offer it, it you just you you watch what goes on in the media today and you think about some of these african nations um you know you think about some of these budding you know cultures that are are just making their way into um becoming you know second world or first world countries yes that are getting you know a lot of this pollution that's coming from our our self-absorption yeah yeah, and I love the fact that Pope Francis, Pope Francis talked about that in paragraph 62, because we don't think about how what we are doing here in the United States of America is impacting beyond the United States of America. I mean, I've traveled to a few countries, uh, even recently, and you know, Bob, I was taken back by the impact, uh, sociologically speaking, that United States of America has on the world. And specifically in the realm of, of how we think about one another, how we think about the world. And why is Pope Francis talking about this? On the larger scale of this document, on the joy of the gospel and the new evangelization, because he wants us to see that in that dynamic relationship of person and society, person always comes first. And if we don't take care of the person, if we don't first take care of the individual, then its natural outgrowth will be a corrupt culture, a corrupt society that rears its ugly head in these dictatorship-like regimes. So let us, as we wrap up, Bob, kind of gather ourselves and be mindful of those words of G.K. Chesterton. When he was asked, what's wrong with the world? He said, I am. If we want to see change, let us first change the heart.
our heart. Let us close in prayer. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.